I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 138 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Hey there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am excited because today... We are having one of my favorite guests back on the podcast, and that is Dr. Lori Friesen, who is the host of the Beginning Teacher Talk podcast, but she has tips and strategies that are for more than just beginning teachers. She's been on the podcast in the past to share classroom management hacks and classroom management strategies, and anytime she's on the podcast, you guys just love her episodes. And today, she is actually going to be sharing some really practical tips and strategies that will help you create a classroom library without having to break your bank. (laughs) If you're anything like me, then especially your first couple years of teaching, you probably spent or were tempted to spend a lot of money building your own classroom library. But the good news is, is that Lori has a lot of resources and ideas on how you can find high quality books without having to spend a ton of your own money. So I am super excited to have her on the podcast and can't wait for you guys to listen to this conversation. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no-fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hi, Lori. Welcome back to the podcast. I am, as always, thrilled to have you on. Hi, Sarah. I can't wait to be here with you today. I love our time together. Every single time I get to come on your podcast, I'm so excited. (laughs) So I think you are like my most recurring guest on the podcast, which I love. And my audience loves it too, because every every time you come on, we get a spike in downloads and a spike in listens. So you just, I feel like, have tips and suggestions and strategies that really resonate with all teachers and especially my audience. So I am super excited about today's episode. Aww. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So today we are going to be talking about something that I feel like is incredibly important for classroom teachers, yet at the same time, it causes a little bit of stress and overwhelm, especially if you are a new or beginning teacher. 
And that is figuring out how to build up your classroom library without going broke. I mean, I think back to my first year of teaching and I... I spent so much of my own money on my classroom library, on classroom supplies. And of course it came from the best place. But then when I think about it, I'm like, okay, I needed to have a much better like sense of like what is financially okay in terms of investing in your classroom. And I know you have a ton of really practical like tips and sources that you can share with teachers on how they can build up their classroom library without having to spend their own money, which I'm super excited for us to get into But before we get into those really specific tips, can you kind of share just some general information about how teachers can be strategic with developing their classroom library? Yes, of course. So just to piggyback on what you said, yes, this can be one of the most stressful parts of setting up your first classroom, especially if you're a new teacher. But even if you're changing grades, I found even when I went from second grade to fourth grade, suddenly my classroom library was not what I wanted it to be. And my books were too low. They weren't, you know, adultish enough. (laughs) My fourth graders thought they were so mature. So it got really stressful because I did not want to spend a ton of money. And so I got really scrappy. I love getting scrappy. And I'm going to share with you a lot of my really fun, scrappy, easy ways that you can start building up your classroom library seriously without breaking the bank. And these are all things that I've done. So if you are like, no way, I'm like, yes, you can. I'm going to show you. So, But before we dive in, two things that I want you to think about in terms of being strategic about developing your classroom library because there's it's this is not just about quantity of books this is about quality of books so when i first started teaching i made the mistake of like taking any books any free books i could get from anywhere i just took them all I'm like great another book another book another book and they were dog-eared and they were missing pages and they were falling apart and they were quite frankly, some of them inappropriate for my classroom. But it was a book. So I was like, awesome. I did the exact same thing. Like I remember just getting boxes that I'm like, I can't use this. I shouldn't use right. this. But like, <laughs> I have no other options. So it's like, sure, we'll put that right. in the library. And I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that some of these books might not be, like they might be banned at my school. Like there were literally a lot of books that came to my classroom that I should not have even had in there. So my first recommendation to you is to be discerning in terms of what you bring into your classroom. Even though you are anxious to get a huge library of books, I'm going to share with you a lot of things that you can do throughout your first year if you're a new teacher that will help to build up your library. They don't all have to be in your library on the very first day of school. So my first general tip for you is to be sure you build your library with books that your students will actually be interested in reading. So again, lots of books is not nearly as important as having books that your students will actually want to read. So the second tip I have for you is if you aren't sure what kinds of books to collect for your class library, you can ask other teachers at your grade level, which authors or titles are most popular at their age group. You can go in and take a look at some of their books, see how they've organized their classroom libraries. I'm going to share with you a free masterclass that I have for you at the end that you can join where I walk through all of the different ways that you can organize your class library and how I recommend you do it. But you can ask inside Facebook groups for your specific grade level, you know, which titles and authors are most popular for your grade, even doing a quick Google search for best books for third grade or must read books for third grade or whatever grade you're going to be teaching can give you a pretty good idea of the titles you might want to start with. And if you go onto We Are Teachers, if you go onto their blog, they have a great book list for each grade level. You can just type in best third grade books to share with, with students all recommended by other third grade teachers. So resources like that are a little more, you know, you want to be discerning about which website you go on for that. But We Are Teachers has some great book lists. 
I love that recommendation. And I think that is so important. Like this idea that we want to focus on the quality of our books versus the quantity. Because it's like, if you have hundreds of books in your classroom library, but your students aren't interested in reading them, they're not going to serve the purpose. And so I think really realizing that it's not just about, you know, having books in your classroom library, but actually having the right books and the books that are going to get your students excited about reading. So I, I love that reminder. Yes. Okay. So I'm super excited to hear some of your really specific strategies. So let's get into the nitty gritty. What are things that teachers can do to build up their classroom libraries without breaking their own bank? So the first thing that is super popular for a lot of new teachers, I want to remind you again that you do not need to spend a lot of your own money on books right now. We're going to be talking about ways you can do this without spending a ton of your own money. So books that you really want for your new classroom should be added to a teacher Amazon wishlist. If you haven't already started your teacher Amazon wishlist, I'm going to strongly encourage you to start building one right now. And if you're wondering what kinds of books, again, to add to your wish list, if you want to go to my website at drlauriefriesen.com, I have curated lists of some of my recommended books for the first weeks of school for kindergarten to fifth grade, as well as my list of books that I recommend for social and emotional learning to help light kids up, keep them inspired and build that community at the beginning of the school year. But again, start thinking about creating your teacher Amazon wish list. And once you do that, secondly, be bold. I know this is scary, but invite your friends and family to purchase some of the books on your wish list. I know this is scary because once you've created this wish list, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like I don't want to ask for help. We have a hard time as teachers asking for help. We feel nervous about asking friends and family, but you would be amazed how many new teachers. I always ask my Ready for School Academy graduates to do this, and they always come back into the group and go, oh my gosh, I did not think anybody was going to donate. And then they show their boxes of Amazon books that have come from friends and family and grandmothers and neighbors and people that they hadn't ever expected would donate a book. And one of the things I love to do when I got books donated to my classroom was I would put a donated by sticker on the inside. And so my kids could see who had donated the books for our classroom, which was so much fun. I love that. And I, so I feel like I started teaching before Amazon existed. I did too. But I'm like... I definitely did not have a teacher Amazon wish list, but I I can confirm that family and friends will love to support you. I do remember when I started teaching, I I granted I come from a family of educators, but my yeah. my family, my aunts and my uncles, my close family friends, they were so excited for me to start my teaching profession and you know, they all felt that teaching was such a noble career that they were happy to donate a book yeah. or two or three. And so I think I love that. It's like, yeah, we just need to like be okay with asking. So I I wish that I had a teacher Amazon wish list, but for those of you that have access to it, take advantage of that. Yes, because we have we do have technology and social media on our side now and there's ways that we can really take advantage of that. I don't know if take advantage is the right word, but we can leverage really, it. We want to leverage yeah, it. <laughs> we can leverage these tools. That's a great way of putting it. The third thing that you can do is start a GoFundMe campaign. Now, this there's also donors choose whichever one you want to use. I'm more familiar with GoFundMe because we just actually started one for my husband. He's going through a major surgery and we were hesitant to do this, first of all, because I thought it's going to be really hard. And secondly, like you probably, I don't want to ask for money from people. Like I felt very uncomfortable doing that. I'm proud. We're private. We don't want to do that. But we did it. And I cannot tell you what an amazing experience it has been to be able to feel the support and the love and the care from friends and family, but also from complete strangers who we didn't even know were there wanting to support our cause. 
And there are so many people out there who want to support new teachers. They want to support uh, someone who's just starting out their classroom library, especially retired educators might be out there. If they see your GoFundMe campaign, they may actually reach out to you and donate a whole bunch of books. There's been a lot of teachers who have said, you know, I was surprised someone saw my social media post or my GoFundMe campaign, and they literally shipped books to my doorstep. So, so many different ways that this can really benefit you. And we've already amazingly met our our goal for our GoFundMe campaign. And I've seen so many teachers get great support with this as well. I love that you have experience with GoFundMe because I actually remember using a Donors Choose campaign when I was in did the you? classroom. I did. And I I was shocked at like the response that I got because yeah. it was mostly from strangers. But I, on a couple different occasions, would create a Donors Choose campaign for books for my classroom library. I think one year I did like a trying to, you know, beef up the chapter books that I had. And I wanted like group, like small group sets for chapter books so we could do them for book clubs. And then I remember on another occasion, I wanted to get like a math library. So it's like picture books that connected to math. And I created these, you know, scholarships or these campaigns, whatever they're called. And I got both of those projects funded. And I remember one of them was when I lived in Baton Rouge and another teacher at my school said, if you get your campaign posted by October, the local like Chevron was a local company and they would come in and match anything, like any project that you had funded, they would come up and match it. And so I think like for teachers being aware that oftentimes there's local companies that want to give back to schools and they will use, whether it's platforms like GoFundMe or Donors Choose to help do that and extend their dollar to make it go further. So yeah, I think both of those are great suggestions for teachers that want to build up their library. Yeah. And you can make even more of your Amazon wish list by keeping the love going throughout the year. So my fourth tip for you is your share your Amazon teacher book wish list or your GoFundMe cam- campaign, whatever you'd like, with the parents of your students. And here's what I mean by this. On that very important back to school night, when you first meet the parents of your students and they get to see your classroom for the first time, one of the things I always teach my Ready for School Academy students to do is to have a display where you ask parents if they'd be willing to purchase one or two books for your new classroom as part of your classroom tour or your scavenger hunt on Meet the Teacher Night. And then number five, to follow up after that night, when I was in my classroom, one of my favorite things to do was every month I sent home a newsletter to the parents of my students. I would include a list of books that I really wanted for our classroom to support the next unit of study that we were doing inside our classroom. Now, I know a lot of teachers are nervous about doing this, right? But I want you to think about this from the perspective of your students' parents. Many parents are super busy these days. They may not have time to spend in your classroom in terms of volunteering or going on field trips or doing a lot of the things that they'd like to do for their child throughout the school year. Many parents are working, right? And they just don't have that time to be volunteering in your classroom. One way that a lot of the parents in my classroom loved to contribute was to and to feel like they were involved in their child's education was to be purchasing books for our classroom. So in my classroom, I had like a couple of doctors and dentists and their families had quite a bit of money and extra income. They started buying books for my classroom pretty much every month because it was their way for them to support our classroom because they didn't have that time. But here's the thing, you're not going to get them if you don't ask and you never know what kind of, also, this is kind of a related tangent, but you never know what kind of related supports they might have as well. Some of them may be working for Target or Walmart or other companies, and they may have ways of getting free books for you that you would never have known about if you hadn't let them know that you're looking for books. And what's super valuable and an easy way of doing this also is if you choose books that are included in the next Scholastic Book Order, then it's really easy for parents to just add on the cost of one or two books for your classroom for their child's next order. 
And so something, like I mentioned before, I love to do was put that donated by sticker inside each of the books in my classroom so that every month I could say, look at our new books that were donated this month. And here's a parent who donated and Jason's mom bought us this book. Or So it was a really fun way for students to see which books were donated by different parents in our classroom when they took books out of our classroom library. And then keep it going. Like, on Christmas or on your birthday or end of the year, send home your wish list again as a suggestion for end of the year teacher gifts, right? Like for birthday gifts or Christmas gifts. Or parents are always asking, what can we do for you? I would always say, purchase books for our classroom library. Here's the list. We would love that. And they loved that because then it was something that their child was going to enjoy as well. It wasn't you know, something that was just going to go home with me, bubble bath or something like that, right? <laughs> I I think that's such a good reminder. It's like the parents, like parents want to be collaborative and they want to form partnerships with their teachers. And some parents can do that best by volunteering. Some parents can do that best by, you know, cutting and sorting things for you. And some parents can do that best by donating books. My, like my brothers and sisters and my sister-in-laws, everybody who has got kids in school, they're constantly asking me, okay, how can I best support the teacher? How can I best like be involved in my student's classroom? And I'm always like, ask them, like, ask them, like, what supplies do they need? You know, so I think parents in general are probably just as nervous to ask how they can support classroom teachers as classroom teachers are just as nervous to ask for the support. But I think, you know, put that out there because even if like the worst they can say is no, and then you're in no different position. But even if you had one or two parents that are like, yeah, I'll donate a book or two, then you have a high quality book to add to your library. So love those suggestions. What else you got? Well, I was just going to say also, it's really fun if the parents are really into a certain topic too. Like every spring I would, I did a small crawling and flying animals unit. And I had parents who were scientists who I didn't know were scientists. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is our field. We wanted to be able to contribute. And so they donated tons of books, both fiction and nonfiction to my classroom library during that phase of our of our year. So that was really fun too. Okay, number six, watch out for the Scholastic Warehouse sales. Now these happen a few times each year and it's Scholastic's way really of clearing out old inventory and it's heaven for us teachers. So these <laughs> sales are usually exclusively for librarians and teachers or district and school employees and volunteers. And so during those warehouse sales, teachers can buy all of the selected titles for 50% off, which is amazing. And I can give you the link for that too, Sarah, if you don't have it. Oh, or- for sure. We'll, we'll include that in the show oh, notes. So please it's give that awesome. to me. Yeah. And related to that, number seven, make sure you make friends with the librarian at your school. Because if you're a new teacher, especially, you're going to be spending a lot of time at your new school over the summer. So find out who your school librarian is. And find out when they're planning to be there and make connections with them because you'd be surprised by over the summer, especially how much they might be getting rid of some books or get extra copies of free books. And they have discretion over who they might give them to sometimes. So that's a really good relationship to start to develop. And then as you develop this relationship, this is number eight, ask them about any local library book sales that are going on in your community. Sometimes they in the inside track on this thing, these things, and you can get some fantastic deals at the local book sales. So find out when they happen, find out if they know if schools get any kind of special discounts and your librarian might get a special discount as well that you didn't even know about. Ours did. And so she would sometimes invite me with her when she went and I would get this very special, you know, load of new books that I wouldn't have gotten for the same price if I had gone by myself. You just never know. I love that reminder. And I think it's like, you know, we always talk about like, 
you know, teaching is all about relationships. And, you know, I feel like we, we teachers here, like the most important relationships you have in the building are that with the secretary and that with the custodian. And those are important, but I love that you're like, no, wait a minute. The the school Mm -hmm. librarian is also an important relationship to have. And I think it, again, just being reminded that like the more connections that we have outside of our classroom, the more support we're going to have in helping our students achieve their goals. And in this case, that means having a library filled with books that they want to read. So I never had even thought about like getting, you know, really close with my school librarian, but just Mm -hmm. even thinking it's like the recommendations that they could provide or even like, you know, the books. So yeah, I think that's a super smart sort of relationship to leverage. Yeah. And it's really interesting. I had a very special relationship with my librarian. Her name is Laura Morden. I'll never forget her. I hope she ever, I hope she listens to this podcast. She probably (laughs) never will know about it, but I remember her taking me under her wing as a first year teacher because I felt completely lost. You know, I just, I needed a lot of help. And she said, here's what I can do for you. This is what she did for me. This is amazing. She said, you let me know at the beginning of each month, you send me a list of books that you need for your classroom. And you send me one of your little special sweethearts who needs a break from the classroom, (laughs) which was thrilling for me. And for my student, Max, usually his name is Max, (laughs) who would come down (laughs) Who would come down to the library who very hands-on kinesthetic needed to move. He would hop around that library finding books for her and with her and he'd come back. He'd be so proud. But every month she would do that for me. And then he'd cart the other ones back in his little wagon and we'd do that every month. So you just never know. I'm not saying your librarian is going to pull books for you every month. That was a very special case. But developing those relationships genuinely and being willing to ask for help and accept help is something that I think we all need to work on a little more, myself included. So that was very cool. I love that. So we can't have this conversation, though, about building up your classroom library without breaking the bank, without talking about, number nine, garage sales. I mean, this basically should be oh, first. <laughs> yes. I feel like this was this was me my first year of teaching. I was a professional, like, let me find the garage sales that had yep. books. Like, this <laughs> All is best. how I funded my library. Yeah. You can find some incredible treasures at garage sales. And in my case, at least, so many times empty nesters whose kids have gone off to college, for example, they're finally ready to give away their children's books. They've been holding on for years and they're often in fantastic shape, right? Because they haven't been touched in years. So they're some of the best titles because they've held on to them because the kids love them. And I remember at one garage sale, this was the summer of my first year teaching, a young mom told me she just gave away all of the books from the previous year because she didn't have space for them in her house. And she bought all new ones every year as her kids got older. I'm like, oh my gosh. And she started giving them to me because she realized I was at her son's school. So she would literally bring me all of her books each year. I mean, just because I was at her garage sale and she knew I was a new teacher and you know, we developed a friendship. So again, you just never know what could happen from these serendipitous relationships that come about. I was going to say, I can just like, I I can't imagine how robust your classroom library was because all of these sources, I'm like, oh my gosh, you must have had like just an amazing selection of books. You know, what's amazing is when I retired from teaching, I mean, I only taught for 10 years. I had a leveled library because at our school, we were doing Fountas and Pinnell. We had a leveled library. Uh, I had hundreds in the district bought my my library. That's awesome. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Anyway. Okay. So number 10, the other thing that you can do is ask teachers at other grade levels, especially higher grade levels. If you're in a lower grade level, if they have any books that they aren't using in their classroom that they might want to donate to your library, it's also a great way to get to know some of the other teachers at your school, especially if you're new to the school, gives you a reason to knock on their door and make conversation. And it's how I got to know some of the most amazing teachers that I met because the moment I reached out and they became really good friends to me and let them know that I needed something, she would always pop in, you know, either her or someone else would 
pop in and give me something that they knew I might need. So you know, again, it's just about asking for help. That actually is, I offloaded a bunch of books for a first year teacher because I started my teaching career in first and second grade. And so I had a very lower level library, you know, with a lot of decodable books and picture books and easy to read books, easy readers. And then when I moved to fourth grade, I had to get more complex picture books and chapter books. And I basically rebuilt my classroom library, but I had all of these extra books. And there was a first year teacher that took over my classroom and she was just like, Hey, you know, I'm a first year teacher. Do you happen to have? And I was like, actually, yes, I have an entire library that I'm not, you know, and I kept some for my struggling readers in fourth grade, but for the majority of my books, I was just like, great. If you're going to use them with your students, like have Adam. So yeah, it never, it never hurts to ask. And helpful for you. I mean, it helps everybody, right? Yeah. The other thing along with that is to, I'm on number 11 now, is to enlist the help of your principal. So even though you might think that there's no money, ask if they have a budget for books for new teachers or if they know of any money that might be available for these this purpose. You're nodding your head. Those of you can't see Sarah right now, but she knows she was a principal. And the more people in your immediate vicinity that you can let know that you want help with developing your library, the better chance you have for small contributions from different sources to add up to a fantastic classroom library. So do talk to your principal. I 100% agree with that because, you know, and I get it, schools are crunched for like their yep. budgets can be tight. But at the same time, a lot of times there's money that exists that has to be spent on certain things and you never know. But at the at the very least, you approaching your principal and saying, hey, I really want to develop, you know, a robust classroom library. Is there any way that the school can support me in that? Like you are letting your principal know that you're very invested and that this is something yeah. that you're thinking about. Like if anything, that just puts off a really good vibe of, oh yeah, yeah. this teacher is working to like make sure that the library is perfect for the students. Yeah, you're prepared, you're engaged, you're wanting to be, you know, the best teacher that you can be and you know it's important. So that's, I mean, already such a good message for the principal to hear. Number 12, this is a really good one. If 50% or more of your students are living at or below the national poverty line, Kids Need to Read might be another option for you to get free books. So they start accepting applications. I think it's every July. So when you're listening to this podcast, it should be coming out soon. And applying early will definitely help you to have a better chance at being selected as a participant. So mark your calendars because it's coming up soon. You can also check out the first book marketplace for free books. And again, I can give you all these links, Sarah, if you want. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Yeah. So first book, I don't know if you've heard of this before, but it's a nonprofit and their mission is to help educators get access to everything they need and you pay just a nominal fee for the shipping. So again, another great option for you if you want, if your students are 50% or more of them are living below the poverty line. Now you also can check out bargain booksellers like Thrift Books or The Book Outlet or Better World Books. These are all online places, but you can also check your local thrift bookstores. I mean, there's plenty of them around. So that's another option for you. And then number 14, my favorite, this is our last one. Did you want to say something? You looked like you were about to say something. No, was I was going to say that I personally love going to like thrift bookstores or, you know, but it's yes. like in Houston, there was half price books and I recently moved to Tennessee and they have the most amazing bookstores called McKay's. They have them in both Nashville and Knoxville. And it is just, they're so cheap. Like you can get picture books wow. for a dollar, but like really good picture books. So yeah, it's like, don't, even if you have to spend money, there's ways to spend a smaller amount of money to get high quality yeah. books. So yeah, love, love the thrift bookstores. And I'm a super creative. So this number, this last one, number 14 is probably my favorite. And that's to create a class fundraiser. And one of the things we did in our classroom, if you want to get creative and do something a little different outside the box, was we created a class art sale. 
all of my students created original art and we invited parents to come and purchase art with a suggested retail price. We even put a little sticker on it with a suggested retail price. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Or you can charge admission to your art exhibit up to you with all proceeds going to your class library or a class. You could do a class science fair, right? You could do a reader's theater presentation, whatever it is that you want to do in your classroom. Maybe a writer's, you know, maybe they're selling their books in your classroom, but you'd have the donation box available and all proceeds go to your class library as a class fundraiser. And you can also create thank you cards from your students and let them thank all of the parents after just to make sure that they're kind of more involved in the process with you from beginning to end. Just be sure to ask your principal about rules around creating class fundraisers and specifically what you're allowed and not allowed to do if you choose to do this option. I love that. And I think that's such a great way even to get the kids involved and make this like, okay, this is not just about me building my library, but kids, these are books for you. Like let's, you know, let's get creative here. So I love that. I love all of these suggestions. And a lot of these I obviously use when I was in the classroom, but so many of them I'm like, oh man, I wish that somebody had given me these tips and strategies, especially when I first started teaching, because you know, it is building a classroom library is something that is so important to teachers. Like we want we want students to love reading. And part of that is having access to books that kids are going to be excited about. Mm -hmm. And that means having a plethora of books in our library. So I am so excited for the teachers to have access to these tips. You know, hopefully during the summer, they can find some good garage sales or connect with their school librarian and really just form some good relationships. So thank you so much for sharing these. I know you had mentioned a masterclass that you have coming up. Can you tell my audience a little bit more about that? Yes. So it's coming up on June 6th, 7th, 8th, and 10th. And inside that masterclass, I'm going to teach you the four proven steps to set up and organize your classroom. Of course, a classroom library is one piece of that, but it's only one small piece. And I'm also going to teach you how to create a solid classroom management plan that works so you can finally feel confident and truly prepared for that first day of school without wasting time over your summer or missing anything important. Because I know one of the biggest things I was worried about as a new teacher was am I going to miss something important? Am I going to make some big mistakes that I didn't even realize I was making? So come join me. It's four proven steps. I've done this for years for new teachers. And I really want to make sure that you have the roadmap so that you don't have to make the mistakes that that we did when we first started teaching. <laughs> and you can streamline this and make it as easy as possible. I love that. And I know you mentioned that these are things that you've shared with new teachers, but I know, I mean, I struggled with classroom management probably up until year five when I was in the classroom. Yes. So I know even yep. if you've been in the classroom for a while and you just find yourself wishing that there was a better way to you know, manage your students, I know that the tips that Lori has are going to be amazing. So we will for sure include the links to that in our show notes. So Lori, thank you so much. Again, I just love it when you can come on the <laughs> podcast. I feel like you've got such, such good ideas and strategies and tips and really practical things to share with teachers. And I'm just so grateful that I get to share you with my audience. So thank you so much for coming on today. Likewise. Thanks very much for the opportunity, Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 